Welcome to the Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jere, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome to this broadcast of uh, The Weekly Beat. My name is Dumi Jere and I'm coming to you from Johannesburg, South Africa. As uh, always, my co-host is with me, Maggie Mutesi in Nairobi, Kenya. And today we've got a very special guest, Kingsley Pungyong. Uh, Kingsley is the founder and CEO of Rainbow Sports uh, Global. Uh, he's a, a sports entrepreneur. He's got a global footprint and has successfully positioned him and his uh, businesses as uh, Pan-African sports entities. So we are very excited to have you. Welcome, everyone. Maggie, how are you doing? Start with the ladies. I am doing fantastic. I'm uh, so excited to be here today because I want to learn so much, especially about the business of sports. It always fascinates me. For So beyond just being a host as well, I have so many questions for Kinsley. Like I want to understand like what are the dynamics and all of that. So you can yeah. imagine my excitement. <laughs> That's good. Kingsley, how are you doing? Pleasure to me. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm doing very great. Maggie, good morning. Uh, and my pleasure as well. Feeling uh, great and happy to be on the show. That's good. That's good. Um, Kingsley, we are talking uh, all things AFCON and what it means for our continent. And before I actually uh, delve deeper into the conversation, I mean, seeing as I started by recognizing the lady in the house, I would also like to recognize AFCON for bringing us Salma Mokansanga from Rwanda, who made history as the first ever woman uh, center referee. I knew maybe you were going to like that. <laughs> Officiated the Af- AFCON Cup. Yeah. A true trailblazer who has etched her name in history books and will always be remembered forever. For me, I'm going to remember her as in this way. Uh, so... Zimbabwe lost uh, against Malawi. I think they lost against Senegal. On both those games, it was male. It was a male center referee, and then they were given a female center referee. Lo and behold, they ended up winning the game two-one uh, against Guinea. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just saying. Maybe Afcon needs to give more female referees the <laughs> the platform. I don't know. For you, Kingsley, what has stood out for you in this tournament? Because uh, I understand you were there as well for, I think, the first week or two weeks of the tournament. Um, so it would be nice to get, you know, a first-hand account of everything, of your take, essentially. No, I think, um, first of all, the global impact of, of the AFCON is what stands out for me. Today, this is being uh, broadcasted on Beansport, on Sky, on BBC, highlights everywhere. I was in Cameroon, those a huge contingent of foreign journalists covering the tournament. It's great excitement. It's Africa coming together, united the continent. It sells a very positive con- narrative of the continent internationally. For me, that's the biggest um, standout point because it proves that African football is here to stay and it proves that African football is now a mainstream affair uh, on the global football calendar. I just want to jump in. There is one thing, and for me, I think this is interesting to understand. There is one thing, obviously, to say it's um, it's a global tournament. It's an African tournament. 
And uh, from what I understand, I've heard that there are requirements for a country to be able to host this. I think South Africa is still ripping from the benefits of uh, hosting the World Cup. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, do me. You can correct me. In terms of the infrastructure setup, in terms of uh, the entire businesses, or we can call it an entire ecosystem that was set up around that. Now, we're mm-hmm. looking at a tournament that is being hosted in Cameroon, but not just Cameroon, in uh, Central Africa which in terms of uh, development or growth across the continent is a region you do not just think of like this. Right? If you compare to West Africa or well, even East Africa, you have countries like Chad, you know, Congo, rich, but, you know, it's been slow growth and, and a lot of, you know, a bit of insecurity within that region. Now you have such a huge tournament uh, that Cameroon has been able to really host. In terms of um, opening up the country, or, you know, in terms of looking at that region, as, I, as I've explained, Kinsley, what does it really mean? Is is there like uh, opportunities instantly that you can say, for me, this is just the beginning of a, a run, run, run off for uh, the ca- a country like Cameroon or, you know, a region like uh, Central Africa? No, it goes back to what I said before. Africa to the world is an African tournament together by Africans, consumed by Africans, but also consumed by a global uh, audience. And credit must go to Africa, credit must go to CAF, credit must go, go to the organizers. I think it's uh, a fantastic opportunity for uh, the light to, to shine on Central Africa, Cameroon as a country, particularly Cameroon is powerhouse in global football. It's a mid-sized African country, I wouldn't say among the big ones. It's a big economy, I would say, comparable to, to Ghana. And maybe not the same PR, and it's an opportunity for the world to discover its diversity, its food, its culture, and its football. So it's a tremendous opportunity for the country to sell itself, or the reason to sell itself as well. Mm. You know, for me, I want to touch on um, call it two matters, but they will link somewhere. So, firstly, I'm always for underdogs, people that are very underrated, people that everyone overrides. I like the performance that Malawi put, uh, and dare I say it, I probably think um, their striker, Gabadino, will probably have his goal of tournament is probably, you know, a, con- a good contender. But Malawi and Comoros and the Gambia, uh, those are nations that ordinarily people would not really look at from a football perspective, but they did put quite a very good show. Um, in terms of the type of football they were playing, the flair and everything else. And then one thing that also stood out for me was, call it the absence of teams from East Africa. Um, Of course, we saw lots of Southern Africa, lots of West Africa, lots of North Africa, but East Africa, not so much. So I guess my point and as well as my question is, how are we faring from a developmental perspective when we look at, you know, these underdogs, but that are coming up and delivering good football. At the same time, we're also seeing another region where there hasn't been much representation. Continent-wise, Kingsley, how are we doing from a development perspective? Are we putting in enough? Is uh, CAF putting enough attention to that? Or where do we stand? Good question. And you need to answer in stages. I would say the first thing is you would notice that there's democratization in the African game. Some of these so-called smaller yeah. nations are catching up fast. Gambia, if you look at their roster, has players in 
higher-profile clubs than Cameroon. They have players in Edge, Roma, they have players in Bologna, Sampdoria. They actually have four or five players coming out of Serie A, which is more than a nation like Cameroon. So you see that there's increased scouting activity even in the smaller nations. A lot of Comoros boys play for smaller French clubs, but they have a massive diaspora that have been able to pick from that diaspora intelligently. So from that perspective, uh, the smaller nations in Africa, even countries like Gambia, two million people are catching up fast uh, because there's a lot of scouting activity in West Africa. There's a lot of it in Senegal. And when most people come to Senegal, they extend it to Gambia. With regards to representation from East Africa, you notice that there are some big absentees. Uganda, a country of about 40 million people, Tanzania, 60 million, mm. Kenya, 40 million. I think there's underrepresentation, and I think of East Africa, mainly because East Africa has failed to intelligently connect itself to the global ecosystem. Uh, there are very few scouts that go to East Africa. I think that this has something to do as well with the colonial legacy, uh, that the Brits never went back to their colonies to develop football and give, provide a pathway for players. If you notice players from Guinea, Cameroon, Mali, started going to France in the 60s. Kinsley, I am... Yeah, I just don't want, want you to get away with this. When you talk about, you know, <laughs> connecting this to the colonial history, what are you talking about? We need to be very careful because yeah, this... No, <laughs> no I, don't be, I don't need to be careful. I think the statistics are proven. You would say, why is English West Africa? But Nigeria is a British colony. Nigeria is a country, too. Nigeria is a giant powerhouse in Africa. Its rules apply to just to itself. So Nigeria is an exception. And you can never make the, make the exception the rule. On top of that, you see that countries like Gambia, in Sandwich, inside Senegal, have benefited hugely from the activity in Senegal. Because people will say, if I'm in Senegal, why don't you just have, have a look at, at Gambia? I'm talking to you like somebody who has scouted in 30 African countries. And we know okay. we have a problem in Kenya, we're looking at Tanzania, we've studied the trends very carefully. I am telling you for a fact, a colonial legacy has something to do with football development. No, 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 Kinsley, Kinsley, wait a minute. <laughs> Are we putting uh, the, the, the failure to develop an entire ecosystem no, around it, football, it, it, but colonial yes. legacy? No, we, no, oh, no, oh, no. What about the football federation? Do not we focus on football federations? I feel like I still cannot understand and I still don't believe it. Let me explain why. African football, whether you like it or not, is still hugely underdeveloped across the board. Bar South Africa, most leagues in Africa are underdeveloped. No pathway for players from the academy to the seniors. There are no academy leagues, so the infrastructure is broken. FIFA won't tell you that. CAF won't tell you that. I am telling you that. Because I've scouted on the field. I've taken players from streets to a big stadium in the world, and we know how the process works. Now, let me explain you why. There's a correlation between the amount of players you have in foreign clubs and the success of your national team. That's a fact. Ivory Coast, Cameroon, Senegal, Egypt, they're all performing very well because they have the best players at the best clubs in Europe. That hasn't happened enough in East Africa. You always have an exception that pops up, but the exception can never be the rule. The this tournament will be won by the team, either Egypt that comes from a very developed league, or Cameroon or Senegal that have the best players at some of the biggest clubs in Europe. That hasn't happened to Kenya. It hasn't happened to Uganda. It hasn't happened to Tanzania. And I'm giving you the reason why it hasn't happened. Because of the colonial history. Colonial history plays a part. The first Cameroonians played for Paris Saint-Germain and for Marseille in the 60s and the 70s. You tell me when the first Kenyan played in the English Premier League. You tell me when the first Tanzanian played. Two years ago, Buana Samantha. Isn't that supposed to come back to 
football federations within the specific countries. Yeah, Wait a minute, no. I, I'll, I'll let you know why I'm saying this. Yeah. Because countries like South Africa have managed to grow the sport. I mean, they have their colonial and all, they have their history alone. But they've been able to uh, grow infrastructure, grow uh, an ecosystem around sports, build proper, you know, uh, structures that support the sport. I don't think they have the best players in Europe, but they have such a brilliant team, uh, even though they didn't make it this time around. But I could say, you know, they have even such a brilliant league. Now, I don't think it's fair. And I don't know how it really fits into that, that East Africa not being part of the AFCON is because of their colonial history. Is it also them having the fastest runners? Can we say it's because of the athletes? Is it because of the colonial history? Obviously not. So, Kinsley, okay. I still am struggling to grasp that. Let me explain. You've quoted South Africa, which is a brilliant example. South Africa is another country like Nigeria, which is a law unto itself. South Africa is unique. South Africa is a rich geography. Football is a function of population, culture, and economy. If you put those three together, South Africa has to be strong. It has the most powerful economy in the, in the continent comparable to Nigeria. It has a massive population, and it has the culture of football. I've managed to develop a elite because they're a, a richer geography. Cameroon hasn't got the same economic uh, potential. So the FAs have failed and they have failed woefully. You shouldn't put sub-Saharan FAs because they have failed woefully. It's a broken system. What works is agents and European scouts increase scouting activity in certain geographies, thereby pushing up the quality of the football. Jean-Marc did it in Côte d'Ivoire. He's now doing it in Mali. He's one Frenchman that has put Côte d'Ivoire on the map in football by creating an academy in Côte d'Ivoire that produced a series of stars. He had a problem in Côte d'Ivoire and he moved to Mali and he's doing the same thing in Mali. Is it because the Mali FA is good? No. Is it because FIFA invested in Mali? No. Is it because CAF invested in Mali? No. It's because of the structure that has been created by one individual in Mali that has attracted the eyes of the world to Mali to produce a quality of players that has put Mali on the position of prominence. That hasn't happened to Kenya. If you do the same in Kenya, Kenya will produce the same players, maybe better than Mali. We cannot really put the success of a country on one Frenchman because he has built an academy and built systems. Of course, there are factors with it. You might not like it as a devout <laughs> African, like myself. No. Let me explain, Maggie. Let me explain. Political correctness yeah. issue. You might not like it because he's one Frenchman, but it's a fact. He's a friend of Africa and he's done tremendous. <laughs> And I would say that we must copy this methodology to do better. I have been there. I've seen it. So shall we bring the Frenchmen within East Africa? No, we don't need to bring the Frenchmen in Africa. We need to no, copy no, no. use him <laughs> as an example. But we don't, we don't do that by shooting him down. We need to say mm. he has done fantastic. How did he do it? How can we replicate it? Okay, all right. Football is always a contentious issue. Like I said earlier, there's so many things I'd like to understand, Kinsley. I still, I am not convinced, not even uh, 1% are, are tying that growth of a sport to a colonial power. I think it's absolutely wrong. I feel like we need to look within to see how has it been developed minus the colonialists. I think you're making a big mistake. I think the statistics are there to prove. I think us Africans, the first thing we need to do to, to do better is to accept where we are filled. And the fact of the matter is football is a sport that was imported in Africa or brought to Africa by the Europeans. And it's not an African creation. It's a European creation that Africans adopted. That growth was stalled in East Africa of the development 
the failure of the, of the British who, uh, who built a lot of the structure in Kenya and in East Africa to continue and help East Africa in that growth process. I don't think it, it diminishes us as a people. It's just a fact. And if you look at the statistics, that they're clearly. If you talk about athletics, it's a different argument because it's a function of, again, population, culture, and resources. Kenya has the culture, maybe more entrenched in athletics than it has in It has the economy. It has the population. That's why I say it's a function of different things. Why do you think we put a club in Kenya? We put a club in Kenya, we didn't put a club in Mali. We put a club in Kenya because we see the vast potential. But that potential has not been realized for certain reasons. Reasons you might not like, but it's a fact. <laughs> I, I absolutely would not like them. I think for me, I'm moving on. You have that discussion on that separate cover. <laughs> I think statistics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is are, not like, like I said, Ed, no, you know, the statistics like are many people simple. probably who will be listening and watching this, I am trying to understand this because you're the expert in this case. But I still try, I'm trying to grasp it. And let me even expand just to make you feel comfortable. As a developer in African, I'm for African developing African solutions. I'm just giving you what was broken in the past. And you will fool yourself to think that our colonial legacy doesn't play a part in the present. Most of the things that don't work or work in Africa today is because of our colonial legacy. But we need to learn from it. We need to find out why it didn't work. We need to come up with our own methods that are customized for our own problem. But it doesn't take away from the fact that the reason we are where we are is because of that colonial legacy. You can't forget it. For me, that now really justifies what you just said for the past few minutes. Okay. Is that better? <laughs> we cannot look back to the colonialism. Yeah. We have to find solutions. We have to draw lessons from what happened before. That's all I mean. Mm, mm, mm. I'm, I'm yeah. one for developing African leagues. I'm one for developing an academy of football in Africa. Africa, all this time, including FIFA solution, including CAF has more of curing the symptoms and not the disease. The president of CAFC wants to go to Africa Super League. Is that the solution? Is not the solution. No. The solution is to make sure that 50% of Africans who are rural have pitches to play, have boots to use, have balls to play, and there'll be a trick. Yep. You have to create a trickle-down effect. You can't just come and... Yeah. It's like trying to roof a house without building a foundation. It's not going to stand. All right. In closing, though, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on something. We noticed the partnership between uh, TikTok yes. and uh, and CAF. And uh, TikTok have agreed to a 12-month partnership to sort of help promote African football uh, through, obviously, the AFCON first for now, as well as the women's AFCON later on in the year. Does that mean we are doing something right uh, from a football perspective, or rather CAF is doing something right from a football perspective? I would say we're doing some things right because at the end okay. of the day, the quality of the product is increasing. We're producing fantastic players. But mm -hmm. that doesn't solve the problem. TikTok is a media organization. In its good media, Africa has the biggest youth population in the world. There's massive internet penetration increase. They need the eyeballs. They need the reach. So they're doing it for their own self-interest. Uh, does that make African football different? I don't think it, it moves the needle anyway. I think we need to build the on-ground infrastructure. We need to build capacity. We need to train African scouts. We need to train African coaches. We need to encourage good football. We need to train African footballers to be leaders, to understand that football is not just about the physical ability, but the mental. That's why Germany would always beat African teams. Uh, we need to change a lot of things about our mindset, our mentality marketing of the game on the continent. It's a whole package. And I think if TikTok come along, it's good. 
but I don't think it's a solution. But we've got lots of uh, African players plying their trade in, um, uh, say, EPL or Spain or wherever. And a good number of them are trying to develop football back in their home countries. Is that not enough? Or There's only so much individuals can do. It's like saying that a rich man wants to build all the roads in the country. It's not possible. No man or no individual has the resources to be able to make that kind of a difference. I think it's a combination of policy. I think it's a combination of laws that will attract the private sector and that will attract the kind of volume of capital necessary to make a difference. An individual can do it. Sergio Mane will deplete his resources just trying to do anything in Senegal. He will... Mm -hmm. He can stand as an example to show that he's doing it to attract others to come along. But for us to make a lasting impact, it has to be a function of the federations and the governments working together to create the rules and the platform that will attract the private sector and private capital that will actually create a massive and significant impact. I think individuals can do it. And we keep fooling ourselves in Africa that individuals can do it. It's not possible. Individuals cannot be a road. Government and the institutions and the private sector provides the infrastructure and the enabling environment for people now like Sejo Mane to come and do what we need to do. Okay. Well, in that case, we are hoping Cameroon is setting a good example. One with uh, Samuel Eto'o being at the helm of football and hopefully he's going to create the right policies and hopefully the other countries will continue looking up and replicating the systems. You, you mentioned Samuel Eto'o. I must say he's doing a tremendous job. I think it's um, it's a breath of fresh air. Uh, that's somebody yeah. with vision with vision and a devout Pan-Africanist, a guy who yeah. is really determined to see Africa shine uh, and has has put his neck on the line against some very powerful men and institutions. I think he will do very well. Mm -hmm. I wish him yeah. well and best of luck. As an East African. <laughs> Go on. Uh, and hearing Kisley's views, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, I I feel like there's so much to really understand about the sport but uh, uh, mostly I think hearing what Kisley says uh, there seems to be a disconnect um, when it comes to African governments understanding um, the importance the economic benefits but also what lies behind uh, developing infrastructure not just for football for, but for different sports like you know basketball and, and everything study, you know <clears throat> that could help uh, develop our different economies. Um, my my uh, dynamo though now, and this is away from everything I would say, because there's like, you know, football is not even an African sport. Well, basketball is neither an African sport. I don't think even, uh, you know, running is an African sport. What is even the African sport anyway? So... Um, wrestling in Senegal. Wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. I'm a massive fan of, of East African football. A lot of the investment that we're doing as a company, 50% yeah. of the investment is being just to East Africa because we believe in the potential of East Africa. Mm -hmm. I think African mm -hmm. technical crisis to understand sports more. Sports are, has always been a key instrument for African politicians. I've used it for political legitimacy, for donkeys, yeah. you know, from Amekuma to Mbutu bringing rumble in the jungle in, in, in Congo. Uh, but they don't understand what it takes to develop sports as a standalone business sector. That's what needs to be solved. Kinsley, moving away from this, of course, we've had the AFCON and everybody else. We've had all these opinions and the, the kind of work that Rainbow is obviously doing across uh, Africa and, you know, in the Middle East and everywhere, which is pretty amazing developing this, the, the sport from just uh, the grassroots, getting academies and building proper stadiums like we've mentioned. 
My question is going to be, you know, what is that that we need to focus on? But I think because they just mentioned that, uh, especially focusing on developing uh, infrastructure, setting up things that can support the sport itself. Kinsley, I have to say, I grew up thinking football was African, seeing people play with those balls made out of, uh, not the rules. Yeah, but mm-hmm. me, I thought this is ancient. Like this was played by my ancestors. I, I had no idea. Football is, is, is England's best yeah. gift in football. It's an English Oh my pleasure. goodness. Then let's develop wrestling. Do we agree? We should. We should. <laughs> we should. We should develop the league. All right. This has been fun. Thank you, folks. Thanks, Mary. Thanks, Maggie. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Kizzy. All right. Please remember to visit our website, Mansa Media Africa, for more news about the continent and follow our social media pages. The links are at the bottom. Manta Media Africa on Facebook, as well as Manta underscore media on Twitter. And also, please follow our podcast on the different platforms that uh, it's on. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, The Works, so that you're notified whenever a new episode goes live. I am Dumi Jared. Until the next broadcast, here's to peace and profits. The Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts, Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jerry, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. Mm-hmm.